48 megapixel camera, 8K video, 8 gigabytes of RAM, 2 terabytes of SSD, 4 nanometer chipset, satellite modem with titanium rails, and yes, the mother of all hole punches. It's the iPhone 14, and by all accounts, it's gonna be something. Just not everything, not for everyone, because there are a few really, truly, hotly rumored features that just don't seem to have made the cut, at least not this year. So hit that subscribe button and bell and grab a beverage, because I'm gonna tell you what and why. Face ID, which Apple switched to with the iPhone 10 back in 2017, Face ID needs to see the triangle between our two eyes and our mouths in order to collect enough facial geometry to make a secure match. Cover the bottom of that triangle with a mask and there's just not enough geometry left to make that match. It'd be like covering half your fingerprint with a Band-Aid. And yes, Apple shipped a really clever watch-based workaround, but you need a watch for it to work around. Hence the lust in so many hearts to get Touch ID back. Now, Apple doesn't make parts binned phones like some other companies do. They don't just walk around randomly plucking stuff off the shelves, slap it together and ship it in less than a year. Everything about an iPhone is custom. So the time it takes to build to design one is generally closer to two to three years. So even the just released iPhone 13 was like halfway out the door by the time 2020 hit us, like the Game of Thrones finale. But here's the thing, Apple's already got power button touch ID shipping on the 2020 iPad Air and the 2021 iPad mini. Now, granted, a lot of cases cover the power button on the iPhone, but those cases can be modified and just a hell of a lot faster than the iPhone roadmap. There have also been rumors, reports of under display touch ID coming to the iPhone for years already, by which I mean, Every year for the last few years, there have been reports of it coming for the next year, like the Avatar sequels or something. And yes, the prosecution will concede your honor that many under display fingerprint readers on other phones are terabad. But Apple supposedly has their own homegrown acoustical scanning tech. And since they're playing nice with Qualcomm over modems now, it's not unimaginable that they could play nice over Qualcomm's ultrasonic scanner tech either. Yet, Again, the latest reports from this year say maybe we'll see under-display Touch ID next year. So are there licensing issues to work out? Is Apple just still not happy with the basic tech yet? Or is Touch ID really, really only gonna come on the minute all the masks start coming off? Real honest to Eobard Zoom is pretty much the last major piece of the camera puzzle that Apple still has left to solve. But aside from a 3X punch-in, you still can't really capture your kid playing across your soccer field or the actual architectural details further down or higher up on a city walk, you know, if you're touristing or something. And that's just exactly where Periscope cameras come in. Periscope, because a proper zoom requires just way, way too much depth to fit into a super thin phone enclosure. So if you can't let it go deep, you let it go wide instead. You fold it sideways to fit across the enclosure and then use mirrors to point it back out the back. Basically less submarine Audi and more like spycraft any. And you can get a hella zoom out of those things, like full on creepy levels of zoom, if you don't care too much about the quality or the morality. But you can also get really good levels of entirely useful and appropriate zoom out of them as well. But just like Touch ID, 
Periscope has both been rumored for the last couple of years and always said to be coming in just another couple of years. So is this because the Samsung and Huawei's of the world have patents that Apple have to either work around or license out? Or is it because in spite of their trips trillion market cap, Apple's insistence on keeping teams small and highly focused means that the more confidently rumored for this year 48 megapixel wide angle is just saturating the camera team's bandwidth. So the Periscope camera will just have to wait its turn. We'll have to wait to be next. Maybe again. Last year, Apple narrowed the notch, the notch, a bit. This year, the most recent reports suggest they'll be swapping it out entirely for a dot and a dash of a hole punch, at least on the pro models. But there have also been reports that Apple intended to delete it, just magic eraser it completely away and also make the whole entire camera and face ID system, if not go away, at least disappear under the display. And the way that currently works on other phones is by stretching out the OLED pixels as much as possible so that the camera can shoot through them as much as possible. But there are two main issues with this. One, the stretched out part of the OLED display isn't quite invisible. It's way less visible than a notch or a hole punch, but it isn't invisible. And two, the stretched out OLED still interferes with the camera capture enough to result in pretty shirty data to put things in the good place parlance. And to try to make up for that, they'll run machine learning algorithms, computational photography, but the end result ends up looking something halfway between a decent photo and just a complete forking mess. If you just completely hate the notch and hole punches like they're splinters in your retina display, and you don't care at all about selfies, FaceTime calls, or Face ID security, that might sound like one hell of a good deal, just like done and done. But on the most popular phone and camera system in the world, that's a problem for a lot of people who do care very, very much about their selfies and their FaceTimes, and you know, use them to keep Instagram and TikTok in business. And I don't even know which side of this I'm on now. Either way, anyway, a completely clean display bereft of any trace of notch or hole is once again being rumored for next year. But like the future, it's always coming and yet never quite arriving, probably because Apple's waiting on implementation that really is near flawless. Reverse, AKA bi-directional inductive charging is pretty much exactly what it sounds like on the tin. Instead of slapping your iPhone onto a Qi or MagSafe disc to charge it, you can use iPhone as a Qi or MagSafe disc and just slap your AirPods down to charge them similar to how you can slap your Apple Pencil onto the side of your iPad to charge it. It's still, of course, of course, nowhere nearly as good as just plugging in, but if there's anything humans care about more than efficiency, it's convenience. There is no future viability that we won't mortgage in the name of present comfort, but other phones have been offering bi-directional inductive charging for years. Even the iPhone MagSafe battery pack can reverse charge off the iPhone 13 if the iPhone 13 is plugged in. And maybe it's because Apple is just religiously opposed to ever giving up any, I mean, any of the iPhone's precious, precious battery life to any other peasant device like AirPods or any device that's not itself a battery extender. Or given the inefficiencies of inductive charging, Apple just may not yet be happy with the battery life trade-off the one that they're seeing when charging anything other than something that charges back. Like the gain just doesn't make up for the drain, at least not yet. Okay, it's time, real talk. We could go round and round on lightning versus USB-C until we wind the earth back a day, but nerds won't be happy until we can plug one cable, the same cable, into our Macs, iPads, Switches, Androids, increasingly everything else, and our iPhones. And normals won't be happy 
if we come anywhere near their lightning cables or CarPlay wires. So no matter what Apple does, either the very loud or the very numerous are gonna be very, very angry. But here's the thing. We had just about 10 years of 30 pin dock connector before Apple began switching it out to lightning. And we've now had just about 10 years of lightning. So it feels like it's time for Apple to start switching lightning out. It's just unclear if what Apple should be switching lightning out to is USB-C. And let me finish. Because yes, USB-C would offer multi-device compatibility, which would be a huge convenience for people living multi-device lives. And again, humans are willing to trade almost anything, anything for convenience. It would mean dongles for older accessories and CarPlay, but so would changing lightning to anything else. And it would be faster than lightning because camera kits for iPads aside, Apple's kept lightning cables locked to USB 2 speeds since their inception while every iPad that's made the switch to USB-C has seen its data transfer rates go up tenfold at the very least, which may seem unnecessary on an iPhone. Totally unnecessary, I get it. But Apple did just drop all six gigabytes per minute of ProRes on the iPhone 13 Pro last year, so it's kind of super hella necessary now. It's just that USB-C is already six years old now, and if Apple makes the same decade-long commitment to USB-C, that they made to the 30 pin dock connector and to lightning, that would make it 16 years old by the time 2032 rolls around. And Trekker check me on this, please. It feels like even the enterprise went from C to D faster than that. And don't get me wrong, because as far as I know, there aren't even rumors of a USB type D yet, but that seems like a long, long time for a cable to be stagnant, especially when we all know that just like the enterprise, E will end up being the very best one anyway fight me. But there also aren't any credible rumors about the iPhone switching to USB-C, at least that we've seen so far. And I mean, I would all caps love it. I'd love it because ProRes, but I'm only ever going to expect it now when I see it. What there have been, what there are persistent rumors about is Apple going just completely portless on a future iPhone and routing pretty much everything through some warped digivolved version of MagSafe, which I just made a whole entire video about and you can watch the extended version of it and of this very video on Nebula. That's where I post all my videos, including extended versions of my interviews, like my recent chat with Apple's VP of Silicon and the Mac, as well as all of my reviews, explainers, and my exclusives, including a new studio tour series where I'm going through everything I use to make my videos, starting with the cameras, and that episode is already live. Also, my exclusive documentary on how the original iPhone just changed the lives of so many of your favorite creators and much, much more. Because on Nebula, I have the absolute luxury of making videos that don't have to be optimized for YouTube or for this channel, but I just know the nerdiest, most hardcore of you will totally love them. All ad-free, sponsor-free on Nebula and bundled in for free when you sign up with today's sponsor at curiositystream.com slash Renee Ritchie or click the link below. And right now, because you're watching this video, you can get CuriosityStream on surprise super sale for 42% off, less than 12 bucks a year, less than the price of one of those USB-C dongles for the whole entire year. And that includes their thousands of amazing documentaries and series like New York Revealed, which dives deep into America's largest city and the mostly unseen network of infrastructure systems that works in unison to keep it breathing. It is the absolute best way to support educational creators directly and just the best damn deal in streaming today. For over 42% off CuriosityStream, less than 12 bucks a year, 
and Nebula bundled in for free. Just click the button on the screen or go to curiositystream.com slash Renee Ritchie. Clicking on that button really helps out this channel and so does hitting up that playlist for way more on the upcoming iPhone 14. Just hit up that playlist and I'll see you in the next video.